0: good evening happy Thursday this is talking sports with Evan and I want to say thank you so much for those tuning in into tonight's episode either watching it live or watching it on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube at a different time or listening to the podcast which will be published tomorrow anywhere podcasts are found um, if you're listening to it there I appreciate you as well. And a little bit earlier than I was planning on today, I have a coach's interview at 8 o'clock. I was planning on going live at 8, but got to get that coach's interview done. So here I am um, bringing you the, bringing you the show now and uh, lots to discuss. And you see the bottom of the screen, the bottom ticker, if you're interested in the logo or the shirt that I'm wearing, which Aaron Jones coming back this week, it should hopefully be those two uh, – Take teaming it once again this season. We haven't seen really Aaron Jones much since week one. He's good to play. Hopefully he uh, can bring you the Aaron Jones that we've seen in the past, including in week one. But the website at the bottom is the website you can go to get this shirt and the Twitter account at the bottom. You can uh, follow him on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days. Follow him on X, and he can get you hooked up with a logo that you might need. The logo you saw prior to me coming on, the logo in the top corner of the screen over here, those are logos that he made for me, as well as a couple others, and appreciate the the logo art. And I'm also coming to you live from my same office that I've been in, but now I have a desk to put my computer on. A big thank you to my mom, Kathy with Allison, for getting me this desk for my birthday. My birthday is coming up next week. I told her that I needed a desk. This is what I like. And lo and behold, poof, it's here. And uh, I'm not sitting with the computer on my lap anymore. So it's not moving around with me when I move, which I, I feel it is important to have a, a, a desk when I do my show because I like talking with my hands and I move around a lot. So having a desk here is perfect. Also want to shout out and give a happy birthday to my my nephew Brody, uh, Withalis, and he turned eleven today. Happy birthday to him! Uh, hopefully he appreciate. Yesterday was his birthday. Um, he turned eleven yesterday, and I hopefully he had a great day celebrating his day. And uh, yeah, we were this close to sharing the birthday. Not going to get into the the why we don't, but we we're close. But anywho. Talking some Packers today. Packers had a bye week last week, a chance to reflect, self scout, um, figure out where to go from here after this two and three start with the two games that you've lost. You have not played good football whatsoever, and you've played more bad football recently than you have good football. And uh, Jordan Love is uh, not is being very concerning right now. So I'm going to talk about what I am looking for. Post by from the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to preview their game coming to, against the Denver Broncos, who sit at one and five coming in. Packers sit at two and three. Packers are one point favorites. However, yes, the stats for the Broncos don't look good. The Broncos look like a very bad football team, but don't let that fool you into assuming this is just going to be an easy win because guess what? The Packers are. The stats don't look that good for Green Bay either. So I'm going to preview that game. Craig Council. We're still waiting to hear what happens with Craig Council. He is a officially a free agent at the end of this month. Or, or is it November? Anyways, at the conclu- conclusion of the 2023 season, Council would be free to sign with anybody. The Brewers still have a window that they can negotiate with him. But Council is set to be a free agent. Does he stay? Does he go? And what happens if he leaves? What direction do the Brewers turn to fill the the manager role in 2023? And do they make some big trades this coming offseason as well? Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the headlines today for not great reasons as Terry Stotts, the Bucks' new uh, assistant coach, He's been with the Bucks before as an assistant and a head coach, but he came back to be on Adrian Griffin's uh, Griffin's coaching staff, and he's now gone just like that. And should we be concerned? I, I'm, I'm, I think I guess I'm going to start there, and I'm also going to talk some Wisconsin Badgers as well. Should the Bucks be worried and concerned that Terry Stotts, who came to Milwaukee after two years of not coaching after being the head coach of Portland for a very long time, he abruptly, I guess, it came out today, but happened yesterday. He abruptly steps down and resigns as the assistant coach. And it's sounding like there are some differences of opinion or differences of strategy between Adrian Griffin and Terry Stotts, Well, we have to stop overreacting to everything. We have to stop making... The sky is falling out of everything that comes out of Bucks camp. They released a, 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 a the number eighteen guy on the roster yet two days ago, and everyone's freaking out. Oh my god, how do they release that guy? He wasn't going to make the initial fifteen player roster. Maybe he signed. You know, he didn't be, maybe they want to use a two way deal on somebody else. I don't know. Um, Now Terry Stotts resigns, and it's, oh, my God, the Griffin era is getting off to a bad start, and it's a bad look because he couldn't see eye to eye with this veteran offensive wizard. The Bucs are going to be just fine. It's better to have this happen now than have it go into the regular season of those two budding heads not seeing eye to eye, and then it's to potentially start affecting the locker room. You handle it now. You have time to get readjusted. The offense he was running is pretty much already in place. He's been there for a while, installing this offense throughout their uh, training camp. So I think running the offense, the Bucks are going to be fine. And we just need to relax and let the season play out. The Bucs are still a top two team, top two or three team in the NBA right now. As the roster is constructed with Dame and Giannis and Lopez and Holl- uh, uh, Middleton. And now who's going to be the fifth starter was going to be a question prior to the trade, but now it's with the holiday uh, trade uh, and trading for Dame. The question's even more strong. Who's going to be that fifth starter? Right now, it's going like to be Malik Beasley. Now, do I think he's going to be the starting two guard 30 games into the season? Probably not, but I think he's going to be the starting two guard a week from, I believe tonight, he'll be the starting two guard then. And how long does that last before they start changing things up? I think eventually they want uh, Bo Camp to kind of earn that spot, but they're not ready yet just to give it to him at this moment. But I do think they want Bo Camp to earn the two guard spot in Milwaukee and hope that he can be the long-term answer at that too. But the Bucs have a nice roster. There's a reason why they're one of the top three teams being picked to win the NBA Finals between Boston, them, and Denver. Giannis is one of the top players in the world. Him and Jokic, depending on who you ask, are 1 and 1A. Um, Middleton's a solid shooter. Dame is one of the top 10 players in the league right now. The Bucks are a solid squad, and they got some pretty young depth, too, that if those depth pieces can develop, talking about Jackson, talking about Ty-Ty, talking about uh, Livingston, if they can develop, they can be very interesting to watch down the stretch. And one of the things we never saw with Mike Butenhoser is we never saw the young kids play much at all. Now, Bull Camp got a bunch of reps early on in the year, but then right around midseason, all his minutes pretty much went away would have been nice to have him have some more minutes later on in the year to potentially lose him in the playoffs but by that point you couldn't play him in the playoffs because you didn't give him that many minutes during the regular season from midseason on and hopefully Griffin is a guy who's going to want to work on developing the young talent that the bucks have around the veteran talent that they have and hopefully by midseason and on, this team can be a uh, pretty dangerous team. Might take a couple weeks for them to find their footing. Middleton is expected to play in the next preseason game, his only preseason game before the regular season. So he might have some minutes restrictions early on after not playing in all but one preseason game, but we'll see. But Bucks fans, it's going to be okay. It sucks losing Terry Stotts when you did, but it's better now than two months from now or three months from now when they're when they're butting heads during regular season games and it's affecting the performance on the court and in the locker room. So it's okay, Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to give a more in-depth uh, preview next week um, prior to, probably Tuesday, prior to the start of the Bucks uh, regular season game on Thursday. Might do it Wednesday. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling. Have a using my voice a lot the next couple of days and just got to see how it recovers from uh, Friday night when the WIAA playoffs start. And the level one matchup I'm going to be calling is Milwaukee Marquette taking on Sheboygan North. So I'll be calling that game. So we'll see how my voice recovers from that game. And if it's ready for Tuesday, I'll look to do a Tuesday. Otherwise, I'll plan to do Wednesday. So moving on. To the Packers. Packers came, kind of stumbled, stumbled quite a bit going into the bye. The offense has been very bad the last, uh, I would say, 8, 11 of the last 12 quarters. The uh, fourth quarter against New Orleans, the offense was awesome. But outside of that, the offense does not look good at all. Love has struggled. The rookie receivers and the young receivers have struggled to get separation and run proper routes. The rookie tight ends have struggled to block, get separation, run proper routes. And you've been without Aaron Jones. And the offensive line has not been playing well at all. So, offensively, the Packers look a mess. Defensively, they look better against the Raiders, but they're a mess. And Hopefully the week off uh, allows the Packers to self-scout and self-reflect and figure out what they need to work on moving forward. And Matt LaFleur kind of hinted at it today. A guy like Luke uh, Musgrave needs to learn how to pull off the throttle a little bit when he's running his routes um, because the problem is he overruns his route because he's running a hundred miles per hour and he's uh, getting to his spot too soon or, Overrunning a spot, and that's kind of throwing the timing off. So, passing game in the NFL to work, the receivers have to do their job, the offensive line has to do their job, and and the quarterback has to do their job. And if even one of those positions is out of whack, the whole thing gets thrown away. And typically, the blame falls on the quarterback. And no, I'm not making excuses, defending Jordan Love here. I just don't think we haven't seen since week one, truly what Jordan Love can do throwing the football because either he's been off with the ball, the receivers have been running routes improperly and incorrect, and, and the tight ends haven't been doing their job, and the O-line hasn't been blocking enough to make the run game something teams have to fear so they can just flood the passing lanes and try to force Jordan Love to, to beat you, and so far he hasn't. So what I one of the things I hope to see moving forward Starting in the Denver game is just go back to basic fundamentals, go back to what you're running in that bear game and most of that Falcons game before you fell apart, and the Falcons took it over at the end. Go back to what you're running there and run that offense. John Runyon made the comment that we could be Miami's offense out here. I don't think we're gonna get there, but you because you need to get that running game in order first because everything Miami does. Is dependent on that run game being a threat. You don't even have you don't have to give the ball to the back, but just it being a threat opens everything else up. Safeties have to play closer to the line. That's going to get Waddle or Hill one on one coverage that they're going to run a, run past because they're so fast. Christian Watson is that fast, but the Packers have to get that run game going, and I want to see them work on dedicating to getting that run game going, and if that includes making some changes in the offensive line in the second half of the season, so be it. And I should say at post-bye week, not second half. Maybe try Josh Neisman at one of the tackle spots. Maybe kick Zach Tom inside the center or guard. Maybe try Sean Ryan at right guard. The only position that you have that's been pretty much good every time he's been on the field is Elton Jenkins. The rest of the offensive line needs to do better. But I want to see the offensive line play better and go back to the offense where you're building everything off of the run. Because building everything off of the run is going to open everything else up. It's going to open the middle of the field. It's going to open play action. It's going to open going over the top. Packers need to stop trying to throw the deep ball every time they lead the NFL in air yards, meaning they're throwing the deep ball a ton And it's not connecting, and until you can start developing some rapport with the underneath stuff, crossing patterns, slants, hooks, curls, flats, whatever, until you can start hitting the underneath and intermediate stuff, it's not going to open the deep stuff up. And the Raiders, they went a little too extreme going short. Attack them in between the numbers. Attack in between the the hashes. Attack that place with the football. There's really not a guy on any defense that should be able to cover Musgrave at this point. He's 6'6", and he's an athletic freak. But this week, the Packers get the Broncos. And both of these teams are looking for a get-right game. And both of these teams right now are looking at this game as this is our chance to get right. We're, we have a team lining up across from us that is not that good. And this is a chance for us to get right and start playing football the insert your team way. Both of these teams are thinking this is their chance to get the offense flowing. This is their chance to get the defense a little bit of confidence. The Broncos defense is coming in with some confidence after doing a very good job against Pat Mahomes on Thursday Night Football last week. Both of these teams are thinking that this is their their get-right game. And both teams have reasons to think so. With the Packers, you likely have Aaron Jones coming back. Maybe, maybe not on a pitch count. Christian Watson's not on the injury report anymore. You've had a week to really digest on what's been going wrong and try to fix it. And I'm guessing Rashawn Gary's closer to not being on a pitch clock right now. And the Broncos give up a lot of pressure. But Russell Wilson's still a pro. He's not the same quarterback he was five, six years ago, but he's still a pro. He can still beat you. Um, Javante Williams, very, very good running back that the Broncos can get him the football and commit to getting him the football. He's a guy that can beat you. Jerry Jude, Jude um, Judy, he's looking to have a breakout game. Cortland uh, Sutton and Marvin Mims are two uh wide receivers that can beat you, Mims especially down the field. The tight end position, not very good for the Broncos, and the offensive line isn't that great. So Packers defense should be able to get pressure on Wilson, but the thing is they got to stop the run again because it doesn't matter what kind of pass rush you get if you let teams run down your throat and you're getting in second and third and short situations. You want to keep it in second and uh, third and long situations. And on offense, you want to do the opposite. and. The Broncos' defense is bad pretty much all across the board. Um, they they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Patrick Certain, the second, is pre- pretty much their only uh, really good corner they have. And Justin Simmons is questionable for the game, and he's a very good safety. Outside of those two, you've got a team that does not get a lot of pressure on the quarterback and team that does not stop the run for the for the Packers, yes, this can be a get right game for the running game. You're going up against a team that's not very good at stopping it. You can run the football on this team and you have to commit to run the football. And I will say this about this game before I move on. If we hear Matt LaFleur in the press conference talking about how he needs to find a way to get Aaron Jones the football more or he needs to find a way or figure out how to run the football more, I'm officially about ready to be done with him. And I commented last week and I've commented to some of my friends is I'm still a Matt LaFleur guy, but I've gotten very sour on him. And if we've had a week off, you've had a week to watch this, every game the Broncos have played this season, every mistake that they've made, every problem that they've had, every struggle that they've done, and you know where their weakness is and you come out like you did against Detroit and just try to throw the football all over the place, and then post-game you're talking about how we uh, we didn't do a good enough job running the football and I didn't get Aaron Jones involved enough, I think I'm going to be about done. I really do. Because we hear about things that need to be fixed all the time, and they never get fixed. So this is the week to fix the things that you constantly say need to be fixed this is the week to do that so let's do it let's get this w in denver and get ready for another winnable game against the division rival the minnesota vikings back at home i think the packers win i think it is a i hope it is not a fool's gold game like the bears game turned out to be but i think it's a Okay, the offense looked like it found its legs a little bit and that's what the offense has been struggling to find its his, its feet all season long, find its footing. I think after this game we're going to say, well, the offense definitely found its footing and I think the Packers are going to win 27 to to 17. They're going to win by 10 and Carlson's going to remain perfect kicking field goals. That's my thought. NFL NFL coaches on the hot seat. And now that it's going into week seven, I think now is a time we can talk about that. And CBS sports had their top five coaches on the hot seat. Number one, Matt Eberflus. I, I think he is going to be very hard to keep his job at the end of the season. I think he'll have a hard time keeping his job during the course of the season. I know firing him at this point doesn't do you any good because you know who you're going to have run the team anyways. You don't really, you know, your defensive coordinator is gone. Luke gets not really an experienced enough guy to be a head coach at an interim level. So I think that alone might keep Ebo um from losing his job during the season, but the bears have had some embarrassing performances and the area where the bears are this, where Eberfus is supposed to be an expert in is on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball has not been good at all during his tenure in Chicago. And now Justin Fields and his dislocated uh, thumb, who knows if he's going to play, but it's going to be the battle of the backups this week with the Bears and the Raiders. And I think uh, either McDaniels or Eberfus' seat is going to be even hotter after this game. Bill Belichick is number two on their list. And who would have thought? And I'm not going to sit here and say that Belichick was only good because of Tom Brady. Because the first few years, Tom Brady wasn't the Tom Brady we saw through most of the 2010s. Um, the 2021 to 2009 Tom Brady was not the Tom Brady we, I should say, 2000, to the 2007 Tom Brady is not the same Tom Brady. Um that you know we saw from two thousand and seven on Belichick deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to do during his time in New England, but unfortunately, the general manager, Bill Belichick, has really hurt the head coach, Bill Belichick by not drafting well by swing and missing on three agents and by just not constructing a very good or balanced roster. And the issue with the Patriots that happened last year, which I think is the reason why Jones does not look good still, is you had a former defensive coordinator and a former special teams coach running your offense to a guy you want to be your franchise quarterback. And you still haven't recovered from that. You brought in Bill O'Brien, which is good, but it... It's going to take time to have him unlearn bad habits. Brandon Staley of the Chargers—he's over five hundred over his tenure, but the Chargers look like they look like a team that should be much better than they are. Staley had a great one year in, in L.A. with the Rams as a defensive coordinator. It got him this job in in L.A. Chargerland, and he's not been able to have a good defense whatsoever in Los Angeles. And the offense has been inconsistent. You have a franchise generational quarterback in Herbert and your offense has struggled too. I definitely think Staley is going to probably be out of a job. They had Mark, uh, uh, Mike Vrabel on the list at four. I don't think he has any chance of losing his job. I think the Titans are going to go into more of a rebuild next year, and they want to, They're going to want to keep Vrabel around to watch them through that re, uh, rebuild because he's a very good head football coach. And Ron Rivera, new ownership chart. The Commanders have not really done much at all with him as the the coach. They've been stuck in the mud, and with the new owner. Maybe they want to bring their own guys in next year, and that could be the same thing Vrabel runs into too, as they have a new general manager. Um, looking at that list, I think it's a pretty good list uh, overall. I do. I know all the all the grumblings are about Belichick potentially being on the hot seat. I don't really. I have a hard time seeing. I have a hard time seeing. Uh Craft pull that trigger but maybe at the end of the day maybe Kraft decides he wants to start over at the coaching position and start trying again other coaches that you could see uh, potentially there Robert Sala in New York potentially um in the AFC and the NFC I know the Giants. This is the coach's second year. Last year, he brought them a playoff berth, but I think uh, the Giants—they um, seem to be very quick to pull that trigger. So that might be an opening there. Um, I already talked about the Bears. I know the Panthers have uh, a first. Uh, this is their coach's first year, but he's a veteran. He, he's he's been around, and he was supposed to pretty much turn that Panther team around and they sit at all in six. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers decide at the end of the year, especially if they go winless this season, it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers decide to make a move at the coaching spot too. I think they give that coaching staff another year. I know everyone applauded them on putting together that coaching staff, but I think they give him another year. So Craig Council, will Craig Council be back? And Ultimately, I don't know. If you would have asked me a couple weeks back, um, if you would have asked me a few weeks back, I would have said he won't be back, but he's not coaching anywhere. But now you got the Mets and their deep pockets and David Stearns, the former Brewer general manager and then president of baseball operations, sitting there with the Mets. I can see how that can be a very appealing place for Council. I want Council back in Milwaukee. I really do. I, I think he is a very good manager. He made some decisions in the playoffs that could be frustrating, like giving Winker an opportunity to bat when he hadn't had really at bat in quite a while. But overall, I like Craig Comster. I think he's great with this locker room, great with this team, great with the community and I think he does the most with what the Brewers get him every year. I think he does the most with it. I think this is a year the Brewers have to decide what they want to be. Do they want to be a team that with Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas in their final year of arbitration, you're without Woody for pretty much the entire 2024 season. Do you try to go for it, not just the playoffs, but for a World Series appearance and potential win? Do you try to go for it this offseason, or do you see this as more of a season in transition where you have your young guys at AAA and even A that are on the cusp of being ready, and you have your rookies from last year that could potentially have a huge breakout year next year do you kind of have a transition year where you might take a step back or two win-loss-wise to be basically ready to go in 2025? That's going to be the question for the Brewers. And what are they going to do? And whatever they do at Corbin Burns is going to tell you if they're going to try to make a push. And if they, if they they if they do not trade for Burns – I mean, if they do not trade Burns, if they do not trade Willie Adamas, they better open the wallet up a little bit and get some sluggers in there in order to um, do a better job of more of a consistent offense and pitching. So that that's it for the Brewers. And sorry, I thought I heard a, a weird noise, so... Well, I was looking away over here. So, um, no, potential candidates that I've seen. They're revering the brew. Um, They have White Sox bench coach Charlie Montoyo. Um, the White Sox have been very disappointing as of late. So, I guess you really want him as your manager. But he's one that they talk about as an option. Another option is uh, Braves hitting coach Kevin Seitzer. Uh, he, he was a hitting coach for one of the top offenses in baseball this season, murderer's role, and I think we, we overvalue what a hitting coach actually does in baseball, but either way. And he was a former Brewer as well, um, spent some time as a Brewer player. He's a, a growing name in the coaching uh, industry that he could be an option if council does step away. Nashville Sounds manager uh, Rick Sweet. Um, he, he, he's worked with a lot of the young guys that are currently on the major league roster. And a lot of the guys that are likely to be coming from Nashville next year, he's worked with all those guys. So, you know, you bring him in, he knows the team, he knows the franchise, he knows the, what he has to work with. Maybe he's a good candidate. Mariners bench coach, also a former brewer, Steven vault. Uh, he was a catcher for the brewers, uh, a few, years back I think in 2011 I want to say and he's been uh working his way up the the coaching ranks there maybe bench bullpen coach to managers quite the jump but his name's been thrown around and the other name is Pat Murphy the current Brewers bench coach he's a a old school no-nonsense kind of guy uh, he, he's been around this team for, since Council took the job as a full-time manager. He coached Council at Notre Dame. He was the interim coach at the Padres uh, briefly eons ago, and he's been on Council's first, uh, his uh, staff since 2016. And do you bring him in as somebody that knows the clubhouse really well, knows the demeanor, knows what buttons to push, Be interesting to see what direction the Brewers go. And maybe Murphy, somebody of council, goes to New York. He wants to take with them. And finally, some Badger talk. Start with Badger volleyball. A big applause and congratulations to the Wisconsin Badger women's volleyball team who won again yesterday, beating Ohio State um, in uh, three sets. And they've also won 30 sets in a row. Very good from the Wisconsin Badger volleyball team. And that was without two of their top players in Devin Robinson and MJ Hemel. Robinson, a great all-around player. Hemel, a great server. Uh, Hemel, head issue. I'm guessing concussion. Devin Robinson, shoulder. But now the Badgers are set to travel to Nebraska and take on the top uh, number two seed in the country, Nebraska Cornhuskers, on Saturday night. And that's going to be a great volleyball match with the the two undefeated teams going head-to-head, one versus two, David versus uh, Goliath versus Goliath. That's going to be some good volleyball to watch. And I... I wish I could get to Nebraska to watch, but $1,000 a ticket I heard they're going for on the secondary market, not really what I want to do. I I don't really have an extra uh, grand to spend, but I will be watching from the comforts of my home, watching the Badger volleyball team, hopefully continue their winning streak as they continue to stay as the number one team in the country. And finally, the Wisconsin Badger football team. They fell to Iowa 15-6 to on Saturday, the 14th of October, in a very ugly, and I don't know if that's strong enough, a very ugly football game. And it hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies for the the Badger season this year. They had a slow start against Buffalo, eventually winning 38-17, They struggled mightily against Washington State, falling 31-22. They started slow again against Georgia Southern, but winning 35-14. They were in control the entire game against Purdue, 38-17, then beat Rutgers 24-13. So at this point, you're thinking, it's looking like Badger football has turned the corner, and then the offense completely and utterly disappears against Iowa. Now they got Illinois coming up at 2.30 on Saturday at Illinois, trying to get revenge for the game, but basically got Paul Christ fired and why you have this new era of Badger football. What are my thoughts right now? Nobody asked, but I'm going to give them anyways. My thoughts right now are we... I think we got our expectations too high when we saw this non-conference schedule. We saw the you know first two first two big ten games. We saw an Iowa team that doesn't know the meaning of the word offense, then Illinois. So it's looking like okay, we could really go to our game go into our game against Iowa undefeated. We get by Iowa, we get by Illinois. Now we're undefeated going into Ohio State. And after Ohio State, got a pretty easy schedule after that with uh, Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. But now the Badgers truly look like a team truly in transition. And I really only see three, three games that I'm very confident in the Badger winning. That's Indiana, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Minnesota, I'm 50-50 on. Illinois, I'm 50-50 on. Even though Illinois has been that good this year, they still worry me a little bit. And Ohio State, if the Badgers can keep it within 25, I will be shocked and I will be impressed. I don't see the Badgers keeping that one within 25 points, uh, let alone competing for the upset. But I think we let our expectations of the team get a little bit too high when the roster last year wasn't very good. And with all the transfer porter work that Fickle did this past offseason, there's still a lot of guys on there that just aren't very good. And it's going to take time. And it's going to take getting some of uh, Fickle's recruiting class in. It's going to get some of Chris' guys graduating. And it might take another year or two before this team is competing with the uh, the Big Ten heavyweights, which is going to get even heavier next year. And I think one of the Badgers' biggest issues right now this year is the quarterback play. Mordecai, now he's out likely the rest of the season with a, a broken hand. His balls lack velocity. His balls lack zip. You know, part of the air raid is you get the receiver the ball in space and allow them to make a play. When I watch the offense throw the ball and, and and lock a little bit too. And you know, granted, he didn't have any time to prepare. Now he has a week to prepare. We'll see what Illinois looks like. A lot of the times when they throw the football, the ball's going down by the ground. So the receivers have to go down to get the ball. It put forces them out of bounds. So now the, the first move is out of bounds instead of turning up the field, or you're just completely missing the uh the wide receiver. Quarterback play needs to be better for the Badgers. It needs to be significantly better. If the Badgers had even an average quarterback play in Iowa, they win that game going away because Iowa had no interest in playing offense in that game. They had one 82-yard touchdown run, and outside of that, they didn't have any other interest in playing the game, so... That is something the Badgers need to work on. And the big thing is, let's get the running, Let's try to get the running game more involved. I know you lost Malusi. Braylon Allen is starting to take some poundings a little bit. Start trusting Acker a little bit. Start trusting your other running backs and put let them try to take over the game. I know the offensive line has been a struggle too, but try to get them to take over the game a little bit. So that'll do it. I have a coaches interview to get to. I appreciate you all watching, uh, listening, however you consume uh, my show, Talking Sports with Evan. I will be back at it twice next week, once previewing the Bucs NBA season, the other talking Packers, Badgers, and anything else going on in the world of sports. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. I appreciate each and every one of you. Hope you all have a great rest of your night. I'll get back at you next week.